Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. So let's get into the message this morning. And uh, last Sunday, part one of this message was preached by Pastor Jared. And uh, actually, Dan and I in Honduras at a table watched you all live last Sunday morning. And uh, how awesome is that, that we can be in Honduras tuning into the service? And what a great job he did bringing the message last week. And if you were not here, one of the things I really appreciate, he brought a bunch of people up here who represented the different voices of our culture and just said, this is what our kids currently have to deal with. All of these different voices that are trying to have influence in their lives. And we as parents are trying to raise them up in the things of God. And he reminded us uh, of the importance of influence, in particular, bringing them to the house of God. And listen, in my experience, and I can say now, I have a lot of experience. In my experience as a pastor, those young people that have come through childhood and going into their adult years serving the Lord have by and large been those whose parents took seriously bringing them to the house of God and getting them involved in the house of God. Are you listening this morning? Come on. The truth is we all need the influence of a godly village to raise our kids in the Lord. Can you say amen? Listen, in the Old Testament there was a priest who was a decent priest but a lousy parent. He took fairly seriously his role as high priest, but not so much as a priest to his own home. I've known some pastors who were pretty good pastors to their congregation, but not such good pastors to their own family. Somebody say, not good. Not good. Anybody know the name of the priest that I'm speaking of? His name was Eli, okay? And he was a good priest, again, fairly good as a priest, but not so good to his family, all right? Here's what it says about Eli's sons. Now, Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the woman who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was the equivalent of church. So how do we know this wasn't good? So this wasn't just some kids who went wayward. This was an absolute failure of Eli to pour into his kids any semblance of who God was and how he ought to be served. Come on, somebody. So that was his, his failure, all right? Now, it would appear at some point Eli realized his negligence because he had another chance to raise, uh, I'll call him a, a stepson or a foster child whose name was Samuel. And it says this about Samuel. It says, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and men. So, so Samuel got it together in raising Samuel. Let me just say this to all of you, all right? We have folk here in all different states of parenthood. We have parents with children in the home. Where are you? Wave at me. Hallelujah. Come on, I don't see many hands. You're here, all right? Uh, we have grandparents, great-grandparents, someday parents. All right, got a few of you. All right, a few hands there. All right, listen. No, no matter what your journey has been up to this point in pouring Jesus into your children, can I just say it this way? Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Please, listen to what you're hearing. And as I walk through this message today, this message is not just through parents, but I felt like the Lord gave me some points that are applicable not only to parents, but to all of us in different ventures in life. So 
please stay tuned. Let's write that answer down. No matter what kind of job you have done in pouring Jesus into your children, today is a great day. Help me, church. Just start fresh, and I believe that. Amen. So I want to begin. I have three points to make today. And the first, I want to begin by asking you a question, all right? What picture of Jesus do your kids have by living with you? See, ultimately, when you say to your children, hey, we're believers, we're Christians, we, we follow Jesus, you are their picture of what God looks like as they grow up. Now, at some point, they're going to understand my mommy and daddy aren't God, and, and, but nonetheless, we paint a picture to them of who Jesus is. True, right? Yeah, the first image they're going to have of their heavenly father is the image of their earthly father, Right? And can I be honest for a moment? I'm always honest, so say, go ahead, Pastor. There are plenty of people, wayward children out there, who if you were to ask them, why aren't you serving the Lord? They would say, if Jesus is anything like my mom and dad, no thank you. Being honest. And you know what? They most often see in their mom and dad that turns them off. Say what, pastor? It's their parents being mean and miserable. They basically say, well, if Jesus never smiles, why would I want to serve him? If Jesus is as mean as my mom and dad, why would I want to serve him? Come on, somebody, stick with me. It's all right to say amen in the 11 11 o'clock service. Paul said this in Ephesians 6, 4. He said, fathers, everybody say fathers. Don't exasperate your children or wear them out by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. How many know the best way to lead somebody is by example? Right. Now listen, the Bible tells us the characteristic, it it calls it fruit. The fruit of what is supposed to come out of somebody who loves Jesus. The Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us what those fruits are. They're found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is, matter of fact, why don't you all help me? Those of you at home, help me. We're going to, on three, we're going we're to just all say these together, all right? One, two, three. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I should be able to ask myself as a parent, how much love do my kids see emanating out of me? How much uh, peace is there? How much joy? Am I, am I a person of joy as, as my parents, as, as my children look at my life? And by the way, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I I'm, I'm kind of have a unique experience. I have two older children from my wife who passed away, and I remarried. Uh, uh, in fact, it'll be 10 years in just a couple of weeks. Isn't that awesome? Come on, somebody. Amen. And so I have a seven and an eight-year-old. So I have a pretty good vantage point as a parent because I did it, sent them on their way, and now I'm doing it again. It's kind of fun, you know what I mean? <laughs> try it. You might like it. All right. So, so I want to ask myself. Don't try it if you're not ready, all right? So, so, so what do, you know, listen, people were attracted to Jesus. Large crowds followed him. Why? There was something that emanated from him that was attractional. He wasn't like the religious guys that never smiled and stood on the corner and prayed 25-minute prayers to be seen. Jesus was different. 
Listen, listen, if I ask you, how do you produce Jesus' fruit? Oh, pastor, I'm going to try harder. No, if you could do it by your own effort, you'd have been more loving and patient a long time ago. The Bible says Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, okay? Now think about this. If you got a, if you got an avocado tree, and I say that because Pastor Lee has an avocado tree right in his front yard there. No avocados right now, but maybe next time, all right? Okay. If that avocado branch is firmly attached to the avocado tree, this is not a trick question, that branch will produce avocado. If you said lemons, you weren't listening, all right? Avocados, okay? By virtue of what's coming up out of the tree and into the branch. It's just natural, right? And so if we are are firmly attached to Jesus and we're holding on and allowing his life to flow into us, it will produce his fruit. And our children will see that fruit. And it will be attractional. I'm going to get happy if you don't this morning, all right? Now let me apply that to all of you, okay? Not only are children looking to parents, for an example, but we now live in a culture that pretty much is clueless as to who Jesus is. They know the name. They probably know he died for them. But as to who Jesus really is, most people don't have a clue. So you are the closest thing that they're probably going to see to Jesus as their neighbor, their workmate, their relative. Boy, it just got really quiet in here. And that's why it's important, church. Listen, when we come together, let's go after Jesus. Let's get more firmly attached to him so that what comes out of our lives isn't an effort. It's not like I have to try. But literally that fruit is flowing out of us because we are staying attached to Jesus and his fruit is now being being emanated from our lives. It'll make you a better parent. It'll make you a better workmate. It'll make you a better neighbor because your neighbor will see something in you that they know can't be produced by human effort in and of itself. Come on, somebody. God help us to see it today. Amen? 1 Peter 2.12. Slipping through a couple answers. Write them down quick, all right? Here it is. 1 Peter 2.12. It says this. Live... An exemplary life among the natives. Who are the natives? They're not talking about Native Americans. They're talking about just people who surround you, people who don't know the Lord. That your actions can refute their prejudices. What are their prejudices? Their prejudices are, I've seen some Christians who don't act like Christians. That's their prejudices. So live it before them. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Come on, can you say amen? Yeah, if you want your kids to follow Jesus, if you want others to follow Jesus, I want to encourage all of us today. Let's stay firmly attached and allow his fruit to come out in a way that our kids say, wow, mommy, wow, daddy. And listen, how many of you believe your kids can watch you grow in the Lord? How many of you believe your transformation is a great testimony to your own kids? Daddy, you used to be angry all the time. What's happening? You're, you're not so much anymore. That's Jesus, son. He's working in my life. Come on, Daddy, you used to always be so anxious, but, but you seem to be at peace. That's Jesus, son. That's Jesus, honey. 
He's working on my life. Just keep growing. Let your kids see you growing and watch what God does. Can you say amen? All right, I'm going to skip over this next verse. We're going to get to point number two. Here's point number two. In the form of a question. Do you enjoy your children and do they know it? Do you you enjoy just being with them? You know how much your Father in heaven enjoys you? Say how much, Pastor? He enjoys you so much that he actually wants to spend eternity with you. Now listen, it is one thing to spend a few hours with a friend, but when you talk about a spending eternity with someone, that'd be a long time. And yet Father says, I want you where I am. I've prepared a place for you because I want you to be with me. Shouldn't that be our hearts as parents? Come on, we, we ought to enjoy our families. In fact, it's interesting, you know, Hanging out with Jesus is something that we should enjoy as much as he enjoys with us. And we read verses like this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come to me is an invitation. Like, come hang out with me and watch what I do. How about this one? I love this verse, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I'll answer you, and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Come on, Father invites you to come. Why? Because he enjoys you be with him. You know, you know, Father enjoys our gathering. One, one of the reasons we believe that church is done best in person, think about this. Heaven is going to be in person. Can I go to virtual heaven? It's like, no. No, you want to be there. You want to experience. There's something about being in God's house with God's people, in God's presence, going after him together that I believe produces the best fruit. Put your hands together if you believe that. Would you help me out this morning? Come on. Now listen, it can be easy when you get frustrated with your kids to allow something out of your mouth that the enemy can greatly use to put distance between you and your kids. Please beware of those moments when you're the most frustrated and and you want to say it, hold yourself back. Don't ever say to your kids, I knew you'd never amount to anything. Come on. You were, you were my worst nightmare. Don't ever say those things. Because the enemy will say, thank you very much for those words. I will repeat them over and over again until your child believes that. And later they'll have to have counseling with the pastor to undo those curses is what they are. It's okay to say, son, you made a bad decision. But don't ever say you're a bad son. There's a difference to equating choices with something versus equating them with something. Are you listening to me? Come on. Let's enjoy our kids. Let's bless our kids. Now, let me, let me make this point more general, all right? Don't curse your kids. Let them know you're a joy. Here's the more general point, all right? If you don't enjoy people, now I know it can be hard as a Christian because your workmates are honorary, they tell dirty jokes, they talk of bad things, but if, if the people of this world don't see that we enjoy people, why would they ever listen to what we have to say? You wake up in the balcony up there. I can't see you too good, but help me out. You understand? Just, just like we ought to enjoy our children. I, I believe Jesus enjoyed the crowds. All these people, he healed them. He worked among them. One of my prayers is, God, would you give me your heart when you look at this world? Because somehow you love them, even though this world is seemingly going downhill in a hurry. Come on, somebody. Amen. Why would they listen? Can I remind you that Zacchaeus, even though he was a Jew, probably had no Jewish friends. Why? 
What was his job? He was a Roman tax collector. He took his friend's money and gave it to the Romans, and that didn't go over so well. So he most likely was a loner when it came to his association with other Jews. But one day Jesus, a Jew, walked up to the tree he was sitting in and said, Zacchaeus, I need to eat with you today. Might seem like a rather pushy statement until you realize Zacchaeus probably didn't have another Jew eating his house for a long time. Can you imagine how his heart leaped for joy as Jesus, a Jew, says, I want to come hang out with you. And there Zacchaeus stood up in the midst of that. And he got saved. And his salvation was this proclamation. Today, if I've cheated anybody, I give back four times. Half my goods I give to the poor. Look, that, that were not the words of an unsaved tax collector, believe me. But, but it, was, it was just the life of Jesus and Jesus' enjoyment of being with Zacchaeus that opened Zacchaeus' heart to the message. Are you listening this morning? Somebody say yes. Can I remind you today that Father embraced you long before you ever embraced him? Are you grateful? Amen. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each, each other, just as Christ in God forgave you. Amen. Point number three. We're, we're moving along. You need to be serious about teaching obedience from the youngest of age. Now, the Bible tells children to obey their parents and that's just not so that the parents will be better off because their children listen. But teaching your children obedience to your voice is training them to be obedient to God's voice. There's a bigger picture here. You understand? Your children's compliance with your instructions is pouring into them a bigger picture that someday that same attitude and heart will cause them to be in compliance with their Heavenly Father. Do you get it? It's important. That's why the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first command, with a promise that it might go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. In other words, God is saying, if you are a rebellious child and that rebellion manifests in your relationship with your heavenly father, it's not going to go well with you. So in the same way that you obey your earthly parents, that will transpire in obeying your heavenly father. Can you say amen? Amen. We say, Pastor, aren't you contradicting yourself? A little while ago, you told us not to be too hard on our kids, and now you're saying make sure they obey. Isn't that a contradiction? It's not if you start young. Okay, interesting. Friday, in my office, I had my granddaughter, Eva, was watching her for a little while while uh, Jared was busy with something, and Ashley was going to the women's conference. And little Eva went to reach for something in my shelf. And I said, Eva, no. And you know what Eva did? She stared at me. That's so, so why is Eva staring at me? Does he really, does, does, does Poppy really mean it? Because I want what's on the shelf. And I hear the no in the back. She's staring. In that, in that moment it is, is a crucial moment. Because if you don't require obedience, and how do you do that? If she grabs it, you take it away from her, you say no. If, if, you, put a, if you put some type, type of discipline on the disobedience, you got to follow through with that. Because this is more than I want peace in my home. This transfers in your child's attitude towards their heavenly father. Amen? If you get it, say, I get it. 
Okay. When you say no to a child, there it is, they stare at you. If you put a consequence onto their disobedience, it's very important that you follow through. If you say on a Saturday morning, hey, I need your room cleaned up. I'm coming back in 30 minutes, and if it's not clean, there will be no TV this Saturday morning. You better be prepared to not have TV on Saturday morning if that room's not clean. If it's only words, you're in for trouble. Because your kids will learn, I don't have to do what mommy and daddy say until they get mad. And then you've lost the battle. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I've done this twice, okay? So, so I, could, I could go on a tour of, of, of raising children, but I want to be your pastor, all right? So please listen to me, okay? How many of you have ever been to Walmart and you've gone by some lady with a bunch of kids following her? And I will push out, no, none of you are getting any toys or candy today. We're here to get some paper towels. A little while later, you're up at the register. There's this cart full of toys and candy. And the kids are all smiling, but mom's about ready to pull her hair out. All right, listen. It's okay to change your mind once in a while. But on the whole, you've got to take this seriously, and you have to start young. Listen, my seven-year-old daughter, Ella, has two little girls across the street. They're twins. They come to our house more days than not, probably. And they head for the basement, and they play Barbie. My daughter has a universe of Barbies in the basement, pretty much, all right? And what happens is my daughter will have a little section, and she'll have the Barbie camper, and she'll have her little village, and one of the girls will have the Barbie house, and another one will have the Barbie Jeep, and they'll each have their own village. It's quite a mess. And inevitably, their mother will send word over, the, the twins have to come home now, and before I can say, clean up, off they run. Some days, it's like they're coming back tomorrow, leave it be. But once in a while, maybe we're having a small group or it needs cleaned up. And, and I felt bad for, for, for Ella a couple weeks ago when we, we were in that state. We are getting ready for e-group. And, and uh, I said, Ella, uh, aren't you trying to earn money for, for BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary? She says, yeah, Daddy, we, I want to turn money in. I said, I'll fill your jar up if you clean the basement, okay? <laughs> and uh, Luke says, can I help? Okay, so, so I'm saying this. This doesn't all have to be. There's ways you can get creative. I'm not saying I always attach money to obedience. But the truth is, there's reward for obedience in the Christian life. There really is, you know. So, so, so sometimes you, you be creative, you try to help it out, you make it fun. But ultimately, all right, let, let me ask you this question, all right. We, I've kind of already answered it, but, but I, I'm going to get your thoughts on it. Do you feel as parents you have the right to expect obedience out of your children? Okay, so, so, so the answer to that is yes, all right? When you set a 10 p.m. curfew for your 16-year-old, there are reasons. You've been a teenager. You say, I'm not saying 10 p.m. I say 10 p.m. with me in the back seat, pretty much is what I'm saying, all right? Listen, listen. Okay, now I want to talk to all of you. Does your Father in heaven have a right to expect obedience out of his children? Do you believe he has reasons for what he asks? That God is not a killjoy, but he has reasons for your own well-being and for the furtherance of the well-being of this universe. Come on, somebody. Amen? Listen, some of you, and when I say some of you, I, I, could, I could talk to this as a generally to Christians. Some of you don't take seriously obedience to God. Okay, but, but, but I want you to think of this with me. If you have a child who is pushing against every rule that you set. Does that make you joyful? 
Do you say to your friend when talking about your son, he's the most wonderful son. You say, man, I love him, but man, he's given me about a heart attack. Okay, well, what does Father think when he loves you so much that he gave his son and says, look, would, would you just follow my guidance and, and your, your life will be so much better off because, because I, I set the bounds for a reason. Come on, somebody. Your kids don't always understand what you ask, what you ask. But there's reasons. There ought to be. There's reasons why the curfew is this time. There's reasons why, why this and why that. Not to take away your kid's joy, but there's a reason you don't let your kid ride down Wise Avenue on Saturday morning on their bicycle when they're four. We don't understand, Dad. I want to be free. Yeah, you're not going to be free for long. You're going to be in a, in a casket. That's no good. All right, come on. Amen? All right, it's important. Listen, John said in 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping his commands, and his commandments are not burdensome. Not if you understand there's reasons behind. Can I just give you one example? All right, all right, all right, listen. And, and I, I, have, I, had no, I have no one in mind when I give this illustration. So if you think I'm thinking of you, I'm not, okay? But in today's culture, it's pretty common that couples would think, hey, let's, let's move in together and get to know each other before we get married. Or maybe marriage isn't even the picture. Just, just marriage has really lost uh, its sacredness, even though it's extremely important to God. Come on, don't listen up, all right? Although the Bible tells us when a man is to move in with a woman, all right? It says this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his. So he is to be united when she is his, and the two will become one flesh, okay? And our culture is pretty much like, well, it just makes sense. Move in with a girl, get to know her, and then we'll go from there. Interesting, okay? Numerous studies. One I looked at was in 2018 by the Institute for Family Studies, a fairly recent one, just a couple years old. They said both marriage quality and marriage longevity are reduced in couples who live together first. Father really does know best. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt you. Listen. Our heart would be, let us help you get it right. Let us help you get in the place where you're not, listen, listen think about it. Your, your, your little one stands in opposition. No, you're not going. I'm going there, Dad. Okay? I mean, it's one thing for your four-year-old to be in opposition to you. But it's something else when you look up to God and say, God, I'm doing it my way. Why would you do that? When God's heart would be, just flow in obedience. See, my, my heart is that every one of you would be in, walking in God's favor and God's blessing. But there's a key to that. The key starts with an O, second letter B, then an E, help me. Hey, it's obedient. Your, your, your heart after God. Come on, is, is this making sense? Yeah, because, listen, obedience has consequences, Right? Think about it. What happens when your kids, you gave them that 10 p.m. curfew and they, they come in at 2 a.m. and say, ah, you don't know what you're talking about, Mom and Dad. I know better. It's one thing to be a minute late. Four hours late? There's going to be trouble. And why would you want to stir up controversy between you and God when, when, when God wants you to just walk with him? 
Come on, I'm not trying to hurt you this morning, church. I'm trying to help you. I want you to be blessed. Amen? Don't argue with God over the boundaries. He's smarter than you. He's been around a whole bunch longer than you. And they really are for your own good. One of the things that's making it hard to become a pastor There's a lot of reasons why it's hard to become a pastor. One of the reasons, and this is not just with me. I've talked to other pastors. But it's hard because when when you go to talk to somebody, and we're not not talking about a brand-new Christian now who we're trying to to learn what the boundaries are. We're we're talking about somebody who's been been a believer for a while, and they make some choices that that you know aren't in line with with God's word. And so you you approach them and say, man, can I help you? Let's get this right. Let's be careful here. You're you're making some choices that that are... you know, outside of God's bounds, and there's consequences to pay. Could, 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 could I help you? And you know, you know what makes it hard to be a pastor today? Many times that person will run. And they'll just look for another church that says that's okay. The problem is, it doesn't matter what people say, even somebody with a pastor in front of his name, in, in this sense. If what they're saying is in contradiction to this, this wins every time. Listen, I read an article yesterday of a TikTok pastor. He has millions of followings. He believes there's many ways to get to heaven. The Bible's not the word of God, and people listen to him just because he's cute. Be careful who you're listening to in this hour. The Bible says many false Christs will come. Somebody say many. Many will come. Okay, what happens when a teenager, what happens when someone posts, my 13-year-old daughter has run away from home? I know what I think. I think they're in trouble. Because if that 13-year-old ends up in the streets of Baltimore City somewhere, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. And what happens when a Christian, instead of saying, you're right, I need to get this right, what happens when they run? You know what they do? They run right out of God's covering. And there's a devil just waiting for you to get out of that covering. And he says, thank you very much. I'll deal with it now. I don't want that to be you. Or your kids. Come on, somebody. Would you stand to your feet today? I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you in these three areas. I want to pray that God will help you to stay firmly attached to Jesus so that his fruit will flow out of your lives, that your kids will see, your workmates will see, your neighbors will see. Would that be all right? Yeah. I want to pray that God would give us his heart to enjoy people. Would that be all right? And then thirdly, I want to pray that God would help us all to be more obedient. Would you you lift your hands to heaven and just let me pray for you? Father, I pray for these precious people before me today, Lord. And I don't want to begin by praying for somebody here today that, that doesn't have a relationship with you. They've either never opened their heart to you Or at some point they did, but but they've run away. Lord, would would you do for them what you did to me when I was 18 years old? You knocked on my heart's door. And I felt you calling me home. And I responded to that by saying, yes, Jesus. Come in, forgive me, wash me clean, and transform my life. And you answered that prayer, Lord. Father, I pray for somebody here today that in this sacred moment would be their moment, Lord, when that door opens and you come in. Lord, I pray today 
that you'd help us to run hard after you so that as we are firmly attached to you, your fruit would naturally flow out of us, Lord. That this, when I say this, this church, our, our individual lives, our families, would be places of peace, joy, patience, because you're transforming our lives and making us more like you. God, I pray you'd help us all to love people like you do, including our own kids, God. Might our faces radiate with joy when they come home from school, when we come home from work, because we get to see them and be with them, Lord. And then lastly, Father, I pray for our obedience, God. Help us not to fight with the God who knows how we need to live in order to live right. Help us to fall under that and say, Lord, joyfully, joyfully, Lord, I obey you because I want to be a faithful servant of yours, Lord. Help the parents in this room. God, give them wisdom in helping their children to obey, that their children will take that same obedience to their heavenly Father and in the same way heed his glorious voice. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your blessing.